Well, good morning. Um, let me just go ahead and say that um, the, these core classes have been rich and good. You've heard these referred to. Um, it's not just a, this is not one of those that we just kind of flies in and flies out. I'm getting word to fix my collar. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Wardrobe malfunction. All right, there we go. Um, the, the core classes are not just something that's just like, hey, it's here for a minute, and then like, hey, it's gone. We truly believe that the Lord has led us into, into this, that these are the core values of our church, and that we are teaching um, the foundational truths of knowing our identity in Christ, knowing God, who he is, knowing our identity in him, right? Being known by him, and then surrendering. As a result, we live uh, open-handed, not close-fisted and then service. And so um, each one of those, it's, a, it's about a year and a half long, um, I don't I hate to word, use the word process, I don't know if that's the right word, but um, that the Lord is taking us through as we dive in and uh, interact. And it's, uh, we have tables and discussion groups uh, after we teach and, um, and we interact with one another. And so it's been really good to see across the generations interaction. Uh, and the cinnamon rolls aren't too bad either, by the way. Those are, those are actually pretty good too. So um, we finish it's not too late to come in next, uh, next Sunday. will be the end of session one. We'll take a few weeks off, and then we'll begin session two, our identity in Christ, starting the Sunday following Easter. Okay? Easter's coming. Everybody know that? All right. Good, good, good. Okay. Well, let's dive into John 14. Hey, is there anything better than saying God is so good? Right? What a, what a foundational truth. God is so good to me. Can we testify to that, can't we? Amen. John 14. We're gonna, we're, we've entitled this series Table Talk. Um, I don't know what kind of talk goes on at your table. Anybody want to share? No, just kidding. Um, I, hope, I hope table is a space where you're supposed to like interact with one another. And, 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 and food is, 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 this, is this common denominator, right? Because we all need food, so we should all be able to come to the table. But in there should not just be about the food. It shouldn't just be rush, let me go, 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 get my food, and, and I'm gone. But it should be this interaction of life together where we share and, and interact. Some of my fondest memories are around the large dinner table, whether it was at grandma's house or granddaddy's house or mom and dad's house right? There, there was these, there was just cool interactions, um, whether it was the Dallas Cowboys that came up, right? And that always came up, right? What, could it be this year? Might it be this year? I don't know, right? And then there was always the non-Cowboy fan in the family, by the way. Always one of them, but if you're really rebels, you had more than one, okay? Right? But uh, we had a few, but I, I, had, I had some aunts and uncles that were like hardcore cowboy fans. Um, and so you, it, it was almost like the unpardonable sin to speak of another team. So I digress. But anyway, um, I remember that being the table talk quite often at the table, right? Significant things, right? Heavy things, right? Um, but it was just a fun time. It was a great time around the table. You would talk, you would interact, you would share. Um, and so this is a time where Jesus and his followers, it is heavy, right? This is the last supper. This is the last meal that they are gonna share together. They've shared meals together for the previous three years, okay? But they're gonna share this last meal together. And in this, the apostle John records these long discourses, these long talks that Jesus gives. Um, some commentators think this may have been the evening talks of Holy Week, maybe not all chronologically in that Last Supper time on that Thursday evening, may have been Monday evening, Tuesday evening, a culmination of all these talks, or very well, this could have been the long discourse that he gave before the Garden of Gethsemane. 
So um, John 14, we looked at John 13 last week at the washing of the feet. Um, this is where we get many famous passages. Um, if, in fact, if, if, if you've ever done a, a homegoing service for a saint, I, I, very few have I ever heard where a pastor does not quote John 14, okay? Um, but I want us to kind of push back against that today and think of this not as the funeral passage, okay? Because it's so much more than the funeral passage. There's so much life here. There's so much that Jesus is saying. Uh, and, 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 and to characterize John 14 as um, just this passage about mansions and about glory would be a disservice to the whole chapter. So let's dive in today. John 14. So in light of the previous verses where he just talks about going to the cross and Peter's denial, um, here's what he says now in John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip, verse eight, said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, how long, how, have I, how I have been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father." Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you see, will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. You are so good. Would you speak to us today, God? Would you give us ears to hear? Oh God, let us not harden our hearts as they did at the waters of Meribah, as the psalmist says, but let us hear your voice, heed your voice, and do what you want us to do, oh God. So would you soften our hearts today? Would you empower us by your spirit, enlighten us, Holy Spirit, that we may understand these truths today? Would you use me and my brokenness and fallibility, God, to proclaim the timeless truths of your word? 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Did, did you know that uh, this beautiful passage here, this, this, is, this is a challenge today. There's so much here. Uh, so just uh, hopefully pray for me as we get through this today that God would uh, speak exactly what he wants and our ears would be ready to hear. So first thing you can write down is this um, we see is a place prepared for us. We see that Jesus is promising a place prepared for us. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe me, their hearts would be troubled because he just said that Peter is going to deny him three times. There's a lot of trouble going on. He has spoken repeatedly about the coming cross, that he, that he is the son of man, is going to be crucified at the hands of the religious elite, at the hands of the priest. So there's much reason to be troubled, but Jesus knows this, knowing his friend says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And then he says, in my father's house are many rooms. Now, what you need to know about this is that a Jewish father, when his son would marry, would just simply add on a room to the house, okay? So I hate to bust your bubble today, but I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. Okay, sorry. I know that song. I played that song. It's not exactly theological correct, okay? What Jesus is saying here, and you've, you've got to separate yourself from the American dream, so to speak, like of home ownership. Okay, I'm trying to pull that out. In the Jewish custom, a father would just simply add on a room. And this would probably just be like a little... 10 by 10. <laughs> I know, right? Not a lot of room to store your stuff, right? But it'd be like a 10 by 10 or a 10 by 12 he, before him and his, newly, uh, and his new bride. And they would just add on to the house. So it's not a mansion, it's a room. But that's not the important part. Jesus is saying, I am preparing a place for you because I know you and you know me and you are abiding in me there will be a place for you with me for eternity. Does that make sense? And so, again, I know that kind of is like, oh, man. And I'm not saying I don't like the song. I'm just saying, like, it's really about simply there are many rooms. If you look at the, the Scripture, it says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I am going to go, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Just as a Jewish father would add on a room for his newly married son, Jesus is saying, I'm going to add on a room for you to dwell and abide with me. Make sense? Okay. So don't be thinking don't be thinking the million-dollar mansion, okay? All right? That's not the point anyway, is it? Okay? So Jesus is preparing a place for us. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I want you to notice that in this passage, there is the word father. He refers to his father 22 times in chapter 14. 22 times and then 13 times in these first 14 verses. And because there's an intimacy there, there's a beauty there, there's an intimacy, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God and Jesus is saying, he is your father. He's my father, he is your father, and he is preparing a place for those who abide in him. But secondly, we also see that there is a promise declared. A promise is declared. Perhaps maybe the most famous promise, I would say next to John 3:16, this is probably the most famous promise and statement 
of our Lord Jesus, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When you hear this statement, it may sound exclusive, and it is. But Jesus is proclaiming the most inclusive, exclusive gospel. Okay, let's unpack that a little bit, right? Here's what I mean. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Are there any qualifiers? Is there anything there that says there is a prerequisite that you have to be a certain socioeconomic, you have to be a certain color, you have to be a certain from this, that, and anything else? No, come to me, all. For God so loved the world that whosoever, everybody whosoever, are you a whosoever? We're all whosoever, believes in me. Inclusive, whosoever, all may come. Anybody who wants to follow me, right? He says that. But then he makes these exclusive statements, does he not? He makes these exclusive, whosoever, what's the key word? Believes. You must exclusively believe in me, Jesus says. There's not room for others. you, You find life and peace and joy and love and forgiveness in me alone, but not in others. And so it's the most inclusive gospel. You, if, you, if someone comes up to you and says, man, here's my problem with Christianity. My problem with Christianity is it's just so exclusive. You can say absolutely, but it's also the most inclusive. Because there's no prerequisite based on you have to go to Mecca, you have to do this, you have to bow here, you have to pray five times. None of that. It's whosoever believes. And so he's saying to Thomas and his followers, you know the way. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's the most inclusive, exclusive gospel, right? Let's take another one of Jesus' statements. He has a lot of these come, right? If anybody wants to come and follow me, now, what's the the inclusive statement? Anybody wants to come and follow me? What's the exclusive statement? He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Exclusive. Make sense? So please, push back against the statement that Christianity is the most intolerant and exclusive. You can say yes as far as exclusive, but it's inclusive in terms of like whosoever may come, may come. Right? But it is exclusive in the terms of you must believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he did what he said he would do. Everybody with me? The inclusive, exclusive gospel. But let's unpack the promise, shall we? Okay, he says, Thomas, which I love Thomas, right? He gets a bad rap for being doubting Thomas, by the way, okay? He says what everybody else wants to ask, the obvious, okay? We should all be grateful to Thomas, okay? All right, so he says, Lord, hey, how can we know the way? We don't know where you're going. And then Jesus says, yes, I am the way, which answers the question, how can I be saved? 
Jesus made a way for us to be reconciled to God. Romans 5 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have access to this grace upon which we stand. That is exclusively coming from Jesus. He is the only way. He's not one way. He is the way. Secondly, the truth answers the question, how can I be sure? Because Jesus is truth. John Phillips says, no matter how rich, successful, religious, moral, and upright you are, you come to God through Jesus or you don't come at all. This is not arrogance, this is truth. And I think that we have to be careful to not convey it with an arrogance, but we let the truth speak for itself because it is the truth. Two plus two is not three, okay? Two plus two is four. There is absolute truth. And Jesus is saying, I don't need verification of this because I and my Father verify what I'm saying. Because see, when you would make a statement and you would make a claim, in, in old, even Old Testament days, the law says that you would have to have two or three more witnesses, right? To verify in court that this actually happened, that this statement is true. Well, that's not the case here. Jesus, Jesus is saying, I'm the witness. I'm the one making the claim. And I'm the one that is also reinforcing the claim. He's saying, you don't need to look outside for other witnesses. What I say is true, and you can take that to the bank. I am the truth. There is absolute truth. So yesterday, I have, has anybody ever been to a spelling bee? Anybody ever been to one of those? Let me say, those are interesting, okay? So Micah, uh, my now 14-year-old, she had a birthday Friday. She, yep, yep, happy birthday, Micah. Um, she went to the spelling bee, the state spelling bee in Dallas. And so we were downtown Dallas in this auditorium, right? And it's proper. <clears throat> and it's like, you can hear a pin drop. Like, and, and, they, and, and the guy goes over all the rules and he says, and, and they do all this stuff and, right, there's no talking. All cell phones must be off. There's no clapping till the end of the round. No hooting and hollering, none of that kind of stuff. And you know, I don't know if you know how one of these works, ever watched one, but this is, this is a national, it goes on to national. If you win this, two of them go on to national. And so they say the word, right? And then they say, okay, can you, can you give me the origin of that word? Well, yes, it derived from Latin. It came across to the French and now it's, a, now it's English, right? So there's that. Uh, there's a, uh, can you give me the definition of the word, right? Um, cat, you know, or dog or whatever, right? And so give me the definition of the word. Can you please use it in a sentence? right? And here's what he told the contestants. He told every one of them. He said, slow down. Slow. Because here's the thing. Once you say a letter, it's locked in, baby. There's no, oh, sorry, no, it's, it's A, not E. No, no, no. If it verbalizes, if it comes out of your mouth, it's written in stone. It's there. There's no do-overs. They have double recordings going on of this, by the way. It's that serious. They've got a recording, and then they've got a backup recording. Well, guess what happened? Fourth round, fifth round, which I'm proud of my, my daughter. She made it the third round. She did great, right? Fourth round, fifth round, there's this, there's this, uh, this young boy, and, and he, I can't even say the word that he is supposed to say. It's like Vanna Green or I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not even going to try I did, but I'm not going to go any further. Anyway, he gets up there, and he's saying it, but he's saying it a little bit speedy. And it's supposed to be two E's. And he said one E. So it's supposed to be E-E-N-E. -E -E. And he said E-N-E-E. -E -E. 
well, there was this great dispute. And I never knew there could be so much drama at a spelling bee. And of course, what happens at this time? My little five-year-old has to go to the restroom. I'm like, no, hold it. This is, I want to see this. This is exciting. Something really big is about to go down. I mean, the, the father of the boy is going up there. He's starting to protest. The judges are like, wait, we're going to take it back for a replay. And they go backstage and they huddle and they listen to the recording. And then they come back out. Then they go back and listen to the backup recording. Blah, 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 blah. And they come out and, no, sir, you sorry. You said one E. It was supposed to be two E's. Oh, and then they go to the appeal. There's an appeal judge over here. He's like, hey, they've already made their ruling. They've already made the ruling. So you can't, I mean, there's a, what do you want me to do, right? Long story short, actually long story long, they had to call a police officer in to escort the father and the son out because he was so insistent that he said two E's. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is there was absolute truth there, was there not? He said it. The recording captured it. The backup recording captured it. And the three judges with two ears, that's a total of six ears, by the way, heard one E, not two E's, in the proper spot. You and I cannot get away from absolute truth. You can try to justify. You can try to rationalize. You can try to wiggle your way out of it. But the bottom line is Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth. You need no other authority than that I said it. The truth, it answers the question, how can I be sure? Well, you can be sure because Jesus said it and he is truth. What about the life? This answers the question, how can I be satisfied? How can I be satisfied? The Greek word is zoe. Life in all its forms, from the life of God down to the life of the simplest microorganism. And so the way answers, how can I be saved? The truth answers, how can I be sure? The life answers, how can I be satisfied? And I want you to see this beautiful parallel. Did you know that there's three entrances into the temple of God? Did you know that? So there's the open eastern, there's the eastern gate, and it's wide, and it's big, and it's large. And that, that opens up into the giant courtyard. I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of the temple, but it opens up, and these are huge gate doors. And it opens up into this huge, huge court, courtyard. I mean, size of football fields, okay? Um, anybody ever been to the temple? No? Okay. Over there in the Holy Land? I mean, just to see. I mean, the temple mounts up there and all that, but like... Uh, it's, it, you look at the pictures, it's incredible, massive. But there's this huge, what's called the beautiful gate or the eastern gate. And, it let, and it, it, it's wide and it's open because that's where all the people would come and gather, okay? Parallel there, the way. The opening large courtyard inviting worshipers to come into the way. Then you have the gate of sacrifice, the gate that led to the place of sacrifice for sins. That would be the next section, and it's much smaller. This gate's a much smaller gate, and inside that would be the priest who are making atonement and for the sacrifice for the sins of the people. That would be um, parallel here with the, the truth. And then you have the door of the holy place. Now, that's a much smaller door the door to the holy place, which eventually leads to the holy of holies, that is what we call the place of presence. That is where the life 
is found. This is where Aaron's staff that budded with blooms and almonds would be found. You have to go back to the Old Testament references for this. This is where the Ark of the Covenant with a pot of manna would be. This would be where the angel with the seraphim are covering the mercy seat of God. This is the place of presence. Now, I want you to track with me. You can know the way and you can know the truth and not experience the life. You can know the way, you can know the truth, and not experience the abundant John 10, 10 life that he says is available. But to do that, you have to go through those three gates. The problem is that so many people stop after the second gate. Yes, I know Jesus died for my sins. Yes, I know he sacrificed himself for my sins. I understand that. I've got even the head knowledge of that. I, I get that. And I believe that in terms of I accept that truth. But that doesn't mean that you have experienced the life. See, only the life is found by going into that, that, that the most narrow part, the most narrow gate, the most narrow door to the holy place. So many stop at the gate of cleansing, but few enter the holy place where life is found. This is why Jesus says, if anyone wants to come and follow me, he must deny himself. It's not simply enough to know the facts about me. It is surrendering yourself to me and having a personal relationship with me, just as I have with the Father. And so we need to press in. We need to press in to the door of the holy place. We need to press into there because that's where the life is found. And all the imagery of the temple is, is to point towards that. And Jesus is saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Go through those doors and experience life in its abundancy. But we also find this most beautiful, precious thing where life is found, he says, and you can write this down, his presence is promised to us. His presence is promised to us. He says in John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you, speaking of Pentecost. And then he makes this most beautiful statement, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Do you see the beauty and the compassion of the son here? He says he knows that he's going to the father, but he is going to send a helper, another helper. And the Greek here literally means another of the same kind. Another of the same kind, of the same DNA, of the same characteristic. And, and, and that's where we're talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is another counselor, but one who shares in the divine nature. Therefore, God would still be with them in the person of God, the Holy Spirit. The same sovereign love and power they enjoyed in Jesus then would be present in their lives. And he says, there will be no orphans in the family of God. Isn't that the most comforting truth today? As he goes... And he physically, Jesus physically, 
is with the Father in heaven, seated at the right hand of God in the place of authority, but he has sent another of the same kind to be with you and, yes, to be in you. Do you notice the familial language that he uses in John 14? Father, son, orphan. These are all terms of a family. Because why? Because a family does life together. Now, what was the promise at the very beginning? He says, I go and prepare a place for you. In my father's house, there are many rooms. There are many rooms in the house. Now, I want you to tie this together here. He's saying that I am going to go. I'm going to send another of the same kind that is the Holy Spirit. And you will not be left as orphans. And there will come a day when you physically will be with me in the rooms that I have prepared in the family house. We will be with him in the family house, in the room he has prepared for us. But he says that I will not leave you as orphans. There are no orphans in the family of God. Jesus has built and prepared this house because he welcomes us into his family, those who are of the way. Those who have experienced the way, the truth, and the life. So his presence is promised to us. Guys, this is the most beautiful thing and the most precious promise. If you feel alone today, there's no orphans in the family of God. If you follow Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. And so as lonely as you may feel, and I'm not discounting your loneliness, you are not alone. You have the spirit of the living God in you and with you. And sometimes what you need to do and what I need to do is what John Piper said. We need to preach these truths to ourselves until our heart resounds with singing. And believe me, we've all been in those places, the lonely places, the desolate places, but we need to preach what we know as the truth that we can count on until our heart sings and rejoices. And friends, that may take a day, that may take a week, that may take a year, but the promise of his word is here. Let it encourage you today. His presence is promised to us.